0: Good morning good evening world it don't matter where you are you're here with us now and I am Reverend Adrian L Robinson the second aka Rev Rob aka Pastor Rob aka whatever you want to call me my friends just make sure you call me in time for my favorite show and this is deeper in the word my friends the show where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it, so that you can get a better grasp of what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you can apply something that was written so long ago to what you are going through right now. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing out there, God's people everywhere? and the, uh, the steeple that is the world. Cause y'all know we just one big global church body, right? So think of the world with one giant steeple over it. Cause we all one church. You know, when you come into a church family, people that don't even know you start calling you brother. Hey brother Adrian, hey sister Marie, hey sister Tina, hey brother Jack. You ever notice that? Cause that's sensibility of family. And so y'all are family to us, and we love, love our family so much. Thank y'all for joining us for another fun-filled, fantabulous week here at this little old podcast known to one and all, as deeper in the word. And so we we got a really interesting show today because it's story time! Who doesn't love a good story? It's story time, y'all, and today's episode finds us exploring a very well-known story from the book of Acts about how two followers of Christ used their faith to get them through some jail time and what we can learn from that story. And we're going to do all of this as we speak from an episode which we have entitled, A Prison of Praise. A Prison of Praise. And the scriptural passage that's going to guide our conversation today, my friends. Excuse me. It's coming out of the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 to 26. A lot of text, but I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation version of the Bible, and the word of the Lord reads as follows. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly... It left her. Her master's hopes for wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the Roman officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet into stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Okay, I said it was story time and this text conveys that ideology. But let's also kick this off with a little history lesson in the form of a story. If you will see back in 1972 there was an event known as Watergate and that's when you look it up that's one of the most scandalous events in American political history scandalous and the investigation that followed uh, led to uh, the revelation that the president president Nixon at the time he was involved as well as some of his officials And he served as president from 72 to 74. And then he was forced to resign in disgrace because of Watergate. And basically, Watergate was when some burglars broke into the Democratic National Committee headquarters at the Watergate Hotel. That's where you get the name from. Back in June 1972, to still documents and information and come to find out the burglars were Nixon campaign supporters. So once the whole scandal broke, a lot of people in Nixon's administration and its closest advisors ended up going to prison because of their involvement. And one of those in the Nixon administration who went to prison one of his officials was a man named Charles Coulson. Now, Mr. Colson was known as the scandals hatchet man, okay? He handled everything and he ended up getting seven months for obstructing justice for his part in Watergate. So, fast forward to 1993, because I'm getting to my point here, hang with me, I'm giving you a history lesson. It's gonna set our story today, set our our, our lesson today, our text. Fast forward to 1993, and Charles Colson is named the winner of the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion, Roo, record just skipped. Y'all like, wait a minute? Did he just go to jail for some political stuff, and now you're telling me he won an award? Yes, and that will award, the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion, it's considered an extremely prestigious award. In fact, y'all, it's actually ranked higher than the Nobel Prize in fields like science and literature. Based on the idea that you know religion is more important or whatever. By the way, when you win the Templeton Prize for progress in religion, you get a, you get a million dollars along with this recognition. Okay, that's the largest cash prize for achievement in any field. So, how did this white collar criminal, Charles Colson, go from a prison inmate to being an acclaimed man of God, getting a meal ticket? And quite honestly, off because of the same reason that many millions and millions of other people have turned their lives around and started winning. It's because he found the Lord while he was in prison. I encourage y'all to read his story, his autobiography. It's called Born Again. It's amazing. And it's a very interesting portrait of redemption through Christ. And this guy was a government official on the highest level, doing dirt. One of the most famous political scandals in history. And then he turned it around and won this award for his work in uh, the field of Christianity. I know a lot of y'all are like, okay, well, you're leaving parts out. Well, listen, when he converted to Christianity in 76, it led to him founding an organization known as Prison Fellowship. Now you're like, ah, that's the connection. And for any of y'all that don't know, Prison Fellowship is the nation's largest outreach to prisoners, ex-prisoners, and their families. And they're one of the leading promoters of prison and criminal justice reform in the country. And they're one of the leading advocates for prisoner rehabilitation. They're also, by the way, one of the most beloved giving partners of Benevolent Faith Ministries. We've been in partnership with Prison Fellowship for going on five years now. And that's how I've got to know um, one of my beloved friends, Pastor Pipkin, you know, who, you know, we've done a show before together uh, called uh, The Road to Emmaus. Y'all go check that out on BMC Radio. That's how I even met him. So. Prison Fellowship is very important to me, and the story behind it, this Charles Colson guy that went from serving Nixon and going to prison to getting this award and this meal ticket because he founded Prison Fellowship, it just makes my relationship with Prison Fellowship that much more remarkable, you know, and so... We support Prison Fellowship. They provide opportunities for real freedom, not just physical freedom, but freedom from mental bondage, freedom from spiritual bondage. You know, when Charles Colson accepted his award for the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion, he said, quote, out of tragedy and adversity come great blessings. I shudder to think of what I would have been if I had not gone to prison. Think about that. What he likely came to realize is that sometimes when you face adversity, it's not so much you being punished or the devil as much as it is God's refining fire. Y'all, most of us listening to this right now have never served time in jail or have never been locked up in prison. So we can't relate to that in a lot of respects, and let me be clear at the outset here, because y'all like what we're going to be talking about uh, the Book of Acts. Yeah, we're getting to that. Y'all need to understand the background here, this prison ideology. Let me be clear: in no way or fashion am I trying to trivialize what it means to be physically locked up behind bars, but mentally and spiritually speaking. I think we've all been through what we might call prison experiences in this life see people like charles Colson have been through real prison prison experiences i mean there's no doubt he, he went to actual prison okay there's no prison where you're going prison he went to real prison okay but may i suggest to you all that we all go through our own Prison experiences In this life Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about At times where it seems like The Lord shuts you up In your affliction For his own purposes Now you may not realize it's for his purposes While you're going through it Because you normally don't do that When we're suffering We don't tend to step back And look at the bigger picture Maybe later we do that If we have the wisdom and the insight But when we're in the affliction We don't do that so that's hard but that's what those prisons are when you're shut up in that affliction because you're wondering where is he why is he doing this to me we've all been there haven't we in fact somebody listening to this right now somebody in the world you might be going through that right now as we're talking about it you're wondering how did you get into the dilemma that you're in right now when's it going to end You wonder if God really loves you like these these kind of things are happening in your life right now beloved Saints I don't have the answers to the questions that you're asking and I don't want you to believe any other preacher or minister who claims to have all the answers to life's biggest issues they're liars they tell you they got a miracle water or whatever that's going to heal you or bring you. Don't believe that nonsense, okay? And I'm not here to promise you that. But I do think that we can find some encouragement through art to get through our prison experiences by looking at the text that makes up our show today. I mean, have you ever given consideration to the idea that prison might be a blessing. And I'm not talking again about you going to in jail, actual prison. But then again, somebody going to actual prison can be a blessing as well. I've heard stories of gang members who got locked up and it was a blessing that they did because they turned their lives around and got out and became different people. Had they not got locked up, they might've got killed. So in that respect, yeah, getting locked up was a blessing. But more so, the prisons that we all go through every day, the prison of doubt, the prison of anxiety, these things hold you clank, clank, captive, like prisons, like jail cells. Sometimes you can't get out of them. And so that's really what we're talking about here. But have you ever thought about how prisons like that could be a blessing? Because I guarantee you, if you had told Paul and Silas your prison experience is going to be a blessing, they probably would have laughed at you. But by the time midnight rolled around, man, that prison was a whole different place. Listen, we, again, we're not in physical prisons every day, but those spiritual and mental prisons can be just as restricting and just as dangerous to our psyches and to our morale into to our spiritual well-being. It's nothing worse than a prison of anxiety, whether it's over debt or your health or your children or whatever it is. There are a lot of prisons we place ourselves in. So that's what we're going to be discussing in this episode, my friends. We're going to examine this text and view it from the perspective of how Paul and Silas went from being in prison to singing God's praises all within a span of a few hours. They literally turned their jail cell into a prison of praise. Now listen, as we go over this text please remember like I said before, you may not get all the answers that you're looking for from this episode. But prayerfully, as God's grace allows, what this text is going to teach us is that we can claim power and have the availability of joy accessible to us in our prison experiences. We can claim power. We don't have to feel powerless in our prison experiences. We can overcome them. And Joy is available to us so long as we actively seek it. It will show, I think, our examination of this text, how we cope with those experiences, whatever we become steeped in the Lord. It'll help us. Once we get steeped in the Lord, man, this coping mechanism for us in his word. So as we do this, we're going to examine three elements of this prison experience. That Paul and Silas endured one night long ago. And here are the three elements. Number one, there was a lot of pain in their prison experience. It was a lot of pain. Number two, there was some praise in their prison experience. Some praise. Number three, what was the result? What was the product of their prison experience? What was the product? And so, coming up with our next segment, y'all, we're gonna examine the first of these elements the pain. Of their prison experience and what it means for us as modern believers so don't go away y'all come back in a minute now you heard presenting our all new audio devotionals entitled a few minutes of faith biblically based devotionals geared towards strengthening the daily walk of the believer A Few Minutes of Faith provides you with a devotional from the Word of God steeped in solid biblical doctrine, all in usually less than five minutes. Think of it as your audio Bible study on the go to help you stay connected to the vine of Christ as you go about your everyday life. Check out A Few Minutes of Faith, available only on Podpoint and on Apple Podcasts. Go to www.podpoint.com backslash benevolent faith ministries and listen now that's a few minutes of faith at podpoint.com that's p-o-d-p-o-i-n-t.com backslash benevolent hyphen faith hyphen ministries join us what's up y'all it's your man's rev rob And I'm inviting you to join us every week on BMC Radio for our brand new show entitled The Hour of Power. Each week, you'll hear an inspiring word of God from a different preacher. All episodes will, of course, live up to our established standard of providing sound biblical doctrine. Simply go to www.dmcradio.org.uk and check the daily schedule on the homepage to catch the latest episodes of the show. We feature sermons and preachers from all over the globe, each focused on exegeting the Word of God so that you can get a clearer understanding of the Bible and God's will for your life. So join us every week. For the Hour of Power show only on BMC Radio, go to www.bmcradio.org.uk for more information. Hey, hey, welcome back to deeper in the word, deeper and deeper. Shout out to Barry White once again. As a reminder. You out there, y'all can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts, in the iTunes Store, on iHeartRadio, on Amazon Music, and on BMC Radio and BMC Radio On Demand. Also, please don't forget to email us at info at to send us your questions and your comments for the show. How are we supposed to know what y'all want us to talk about? If y'all don't email us and let us know what y'all want us to talk about. Also, y'all, we got a brand new initiative called the Blended Family Initiative coming up soon. We're going to be encouraging churches all over the world to email us. If you want to be trained up in discipleship, then we encourage you. Email us at info at and we will help train you up in discipleship, amen? Look out for more information on Blended Family Initiative. Also, don't forget to join us every Tuesday night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, 4 Pacific, for our online church services. Just go to BenevolentFaithMinistries.online.church, create a screen nickname, and chat along with us during the service. Also, y'all please check out The brand new show on BMC Radio entitled, entitled, excuse me, The Hour of Power. And each week, you will hear an inspiring word of God from a different preacher from all over the world. Now, of course, you know, we don't do nothing that isn't biblically sound in its doctrine. And so, best believe that every preacher you see, We'll have Biblically Sound Doctrine on the Hour of Power. Check it out. Just go to www.bmcradio.org.uk and check out that daily schedule on the home page. Catch the latest episodes of the show. Again, www.bmcradio.org.uk. Also, we invite y'all to check out the all-new audio devotional entitled A Few Minutes of Faith which is our biblically based devotionals geared towards strengthening the daily walk of every believer out there. Because you get biblically sound doctrine, there's those words again. Why is that so important? Because you don't want no fake doctrine. You don't want my opinion. You want the word of God. And if I'm not giving you the word of God, you need to call me out on that. I don't care who it is, T.D. Jakes, any anybody in the world, any famous preacher, the Pope, whoever it is, if they're not espousing Sound Biblical Doctrine, you call them out on it. That's why we always stress that's what our show is about. That's what the few minutes of faith gives you. Sound Biblical Doctrine in five minutes or less. So check it out. It's available only on Podpoint. Just go to podpoint.com backslash Benevolent Faith Ministries. Listen today. Amen. But today, y'all, today's show is entitled A Prison of Praise. And we're discussing how Paul and Silas turned a potentially spirit-breaking experience in jail into a praise and worship party (laughs) and how they glorified God in the process and what we can learn from the story that we see in the book of Acts chapter 16 verses 16 to really the end of the verse. 16 to 40. So, In our previous segments, segment, I should say, we hinted at there being three elements of the prison experience that Paul and Silas went through. Okay, now there was pain in their prison experience, how there was praise in their prison experience, and how there was, what was the the result? What was the product of their prison experience? So first, let's look at the pain of their prison experience. And this is right out of the text, verses 16 to 24. So much pain, Shout out to pocket. But as we begin this examination, my friends, y'all need some background info on where we are on the story arc in the book of Acts. Because you know, I'm not just about to just drop y'all in the text and act like y'all scholars out there. Some people are like, okay, well, wait a minute, what, what's going on? Well, let's look at it. And I'm right out of the text. You can follow along with me whatever your favorite Bible version is. Book of Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 21. And I don't want to hear anybody say, I don't have a Bible. You got a phone, you got a Bible. Amen? So, Paul and Silas are chilling in Philippi for a few days, okay? And as part of their journey, during Paul's second missionary journey, the text tells us that one day they're on their way to a place of prayer and they run into this slave girl who's got the ability to tell the future. She was like an oracle, you know, were people normally priests or priestesses, although this girl wasn't either, but they were people who acted as mediums through which the gods gave people advice or prophetic words. Essentially, they were individuals who could give advice or predictions to guide people about their futures. It's like the modern bastardized version of this would be a fortune teller. And for most people, they associate the word or the title oracle with the oracle in the Matrix movies. Kind of the same thing, you know, she was telling Neo Neo, his future and what have you. But back to the story. As a slave, this girl was earning her masters a lot of money, okay, because she was a fortune teller. She was giving people, quote unquote, counsel from the gods, and she was telling them all these prophetic predictions. And stuff about what was gonna happen in their lives, and they were paying her, paying her masters to do this. Again, kind of like a fortune teller. And so the text tells us that this slave girl had a spirit inside of her. And I don't we're not gonna get into all the history because y'all know I'm a nerd, but there's a lot of Greek mythology and ancient folklore and superstition that comes into play with respect to the precise nature of this quote unquote spirit that was inside of her. Whether or not it was good or bad, you know, being able to tell the future, all of that. We're not gonna get into all of that. But basically in the text, Luke attributes her abilities to an evil spirit. So Luke's talking about it in a bad way. So she's going around following behind Paul and his entourage, telling anybody who listened How, yo, these men are servants of the Most High God. They've come to tell you all about how you can be saved and receive salvation. That's right, out of verse 17. By the way, isn't that crazy? Like, even the evil spirit in her that they were making money off of and that they were able to control, They couldn't control it when it came to recognizing the truth of who these men were and who they represented. That's how powerful Christ is. In that moment, the evil spirit had to cry out like, ah, y'all better recognize these men. They got more power than me. When you're clothed in the grace and the favor of God, other people can tell, yo. You never had somebody say that to you? There's something different about you. You got this glow. That's the glow of God on you. And people can tell, especially when they have evil intents or they're operating under evil spirits, because they got to leave you alone. The truth of who God is is undeniable. And scripture told us that Satan must flee in the name of Jesus. So, regardless, clearly she was doing all of this in a manner that was so annoying to Paul and his people that she's following behind them, that the text tells us that, quote, Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the text says instantly the demon left the slave girl. That's verse 18. So Paul's like, ugh, listen, stop following me in the name of Jesus. Demon, come out of her. And that's what happened. She went back to normal immediately because, I mean, that's the, that's the power that the disciples had at that point. They were casting out demons and healing people. For crying out loud, Peter's shadow was healing people, okay? Read about that in the book of Acts. So you would think that everybody would be happy, right? I mean, he got a woman that's restored to her full health. If she had an evil spirit her knowledge, she's clean, we should be happy about that, right? You had a demon, an evil spirit that was rebuked. We should be happy about that, right? And now of course, she didn't got saved. Clearly she gonna be a follower of Jesus now. So now that's another saved soul and the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Because remember, that's what we're told in the Bible that the angels in heaven rejoice in even one soul being saved. So this is a good situation, right? Not exactly. Because think about it. The men who owned the slave girl. Yeah, they're not happy about this. Because now their source of revenue is gone. Their meal ticket is gone. Uh, she she gone. And the apostles have basically healed their moneymaker. She can't see the future anymore because the demonic power that propelled her has departed her. So yeah, they ticked off. So they dragged the apostles in front of the city officials and they demand that they be arrested. And the application in that for us today, my friends, is clear. Whenever your faith starts attacking vested interests, oh, you can best believe it's gonna be some major backlash. In other words, whenever Christianity leads you to a place where you have to stand up against something that makes people money, oh, you're gonna have haters. And they're going to be extra loud and extra hateful towards you. Please believe it. So when believers stand up against music or movies or TV shows or anything else that the world tells us is good, remember the the Bible tells us that you know they will call evil good and good evil. Well, they were doing it back then, we're doing it now. But when we stand up against this stuff in music and movies and TV shows or anything else that has ungodly content, but makes ungodly amounts of money, we're going to get attacked for it. We're going to get vilified for it. We're going to get called prudes, snobs, bigot, prejudice, all of these things, all because we're simply standing up, not for what something we said, but we're standing up for what God said about it. They're mad at us because we want to believe God and not them. Ain't that crazy, y'all? The world is mad at Christians because we choose to believe God and follow Him and not them. Because they think they're smarter than Him. And it's a simple human characteristic. If people's pockets are affected, then they're going to be far more hot and bothered about and antagonistic against whatever it is that's affecting their pockets. Because my friends, the greatest obstacle oftentimes to the work of Christ is human selfishness and greed. But anyway, back to the story. So the slave girl's masters dragged Paul and Silas in front of the city's officials, demanding that they be arrested for up trouble unnecessarily, and for, quote, teaching customs that are illegal for Romans to practice. Verse 21, ain't that a shame? It's a shame. These men are simply minding their business. And the people brought the drama to them. And yet they're the ones who end up getting lied on and arrested. I mean, think about it. They were minding their business. They were just walking alone. She the one following around behind them. All Paul said was, yo, leave me alone. Spirit, go on somewhere. And it did. And it affected these other people's livelihood. So by them trying to mind their business and go on somewhere. And, matter of fact, how come the slave masters didn't tell the girl, hey, stop following them. Stop stop? They couldn't, because you can't deny the power of God. They could control the evil spirit to a degree, couldn't control the truth about who God was. So these men are just minding their business and the drama gets brought to them. But they're the ones going to jail. Then they get lied on. They're teaching customs that are illegal for Romans to practice. Teaching what? Y'all lie, y'all mad, because we got tapped into your money source and we eliminated it. What you lying for? These men had simply been serving the Lord obediently and they find themselves in this mess. Friends, it is always a shock to our spiritual systems whenever we suffer as followers of Christ and as followers of His Son and as His children. We like to sometimes think of ourselves as being insulated from hurt, as being immune from all hurt, harm, or danger because of God's grace and protection. Now, I will tell you, you pray that all the time and you pray that God does that for you and your family. So it's always extra jarring, extra bothersome when something does happen that causes suffering in our lives and makes us us feel like we don't have God's grace and protection. And the tragic thing about Paul and Silas being arrested and treated wrong is that it all happened because they were doing good and went to jail for the right reasons. And I definitely heard that sermon recently, doing wrong for the right reasons. I believe that's Dr. Darrell Hall at the Wade Community Church in Conyers, Georgia. But think about it. They cast out a demon from a slave girl. They were strengthening the church and it was growing every day by the day. It's verse five, verses 13 to 15. They were baptizing people along the way like Lydia and her whole household. So they putting in work, minding their business. It's the haters that come up against them. Y'all, a lot of times we go through these prison experiences where we wonder why we gotta suffer when we're the ones going to church, we're the ones constantly serving and giving. Like, Lord, ain't I'm not, I'm not doing enough that I got to go through this stuff. Why are the haters hating and they're prospering and I'm doing all this stuff and I'm still going through it? Remember, I said, I don't have all the answers saying to God. Suffering for the sake of Christ is never easy. And again, I don't want to trivialize the suffering and the issues that people are going through right now I'm not trying to easily dismiss your suffering. Please believe me. In fact, I'm praying for you, fervently. But a lot of times, we forget. Remember I said, you're in the affliction, you don't oftentimes see the bigger picture because you're too busy suffering. And you can't really be blamed for that sometimes because it hurts, we're human. You're going through the emotional part. The the rationality comes after the emotion because you're hurt. You understand what I'm saying? But oftentimes, suffering is part of God's grand design for our lives, no matter how confusing or painful the experience may prove to be. But but it gets worse. Look at the text of verses 22 and 23, how Paul and Silas, look after that, after they get arrested, then what happens, they get beaten up. 22 and 23, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Now the text doesn't tell us what they were beaten with. It says wooden rods, and it doesn't get more specific than that. But I can tell you that at the time, my friends, people would also be beaten with a cat of nine tails. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that it was a wooden rod that also served as a cat of nine tails and basically a cat of nine tails was a whip with nine pieces of cord each tied together into a series of knots and that's probably like it was probably attached to a wooden rod and so maybe they beat him with the rod that also was cat of nine tailing them and that's where it gets its name cat of nine tails because those nine cords each leaves scratches or marks on the people it hits you know like you just been you know scratched by a cat y'all when the prison experiences of life come and they will they tend to beat us down and leave us suffering in anguish and feeling like we got like cats oftentimes they leave us feeling whipped like we got whipped with a cat of nine tails in fact they may even leave the scars on us. Scars that might prove really hard to heal. So when these prison experiences happen, the first question that we normally ask is why? But again, things we go through in this life are often for our refinement. If we're able to step outside the circumstances and have a greater perspective the question as to why might be, well, why not? Y'all like, what you mean? Well, think about it. Jesus suffered, and we're his followers. Why would we not expect to suffer also? Romans 8, 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Listen y'all, as we pass through this life, God's word tells us to expect our share of difficulty and trouble. And we often forget that the trials of life are God's chosen method for developing us into the image of his son, meaning he gonna do whatever's necessary in order for us to be conformed into Christ's likeness. But we're talking about the pain of their prison experience. And something else this text calls to our attention is the nature of the prison itself. Verse 23b tells us that they were cast into the prison, and the other versions use the word cast here. Cast into the prison means to throw something without regard to regard, regard to where it lands or how it lands. In other words, Paul and Silas were just tossed into the cell without any care for their well-being. It says that the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, not just the prison, but the dankest, darkest, dirtiest, most discouraging part of the prison, the inner, inner jail cell, and that was reserved for only the worst type of people, and Paul and Silas weren't even that, it was reserved for like murderers and child abusers and stuff like that, they weren't that, they had been preaching the gospel, they did not deserve to be in there, okay, clearly. But this is the prison experience that they found themselves in as a result of simply representing Christ. My friends, there are times in this life when God shuts you up in some prison. Prison of depression, prison of doubt, prison of despair, prison of anxiety. and During those times, it might seem like he doesn't care about what you're going through. It may seem like he's just tossed you aside without any regard. For your well-being but that's not true and don't believe it if you belong to him then he's working out his perfect will and plan for your life you just got to believe it you're in that prison because he loves you and he's got something special planned for you to learn as a result of that prison why would be we any we'd be any better than joseph Look at this story and all the trial he went through in Genesis chapters 37 to 50 and how it ultimately turned out for him because he had faith and diligence. He he had perseverance. He stuck with the Lord. And then with respect, finally, y'all, to the pain of this prison experience, look at verse 24. The jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Okay? So if it wasn't enough, that he beat them up, threw them in jail, and put them in a dungeon. Now the text tells us that he also put their feet in stocks so they couldn't move, no activity at all. And stocks are like these wooden or steel clamps, that they put on your arms and legs to restrict your movement. So not only do you suffer in this deepest, deepest, dankest, dirtiest part of the prison, darkest part, but you're locked down while you're in there. Man, think about it. Can't a lot of us relate to that type of prison experience, though? Sometimes those prison experiences in our lives shut us down spiritually. Those times where you feel like you can't even move. You're paralyzed with whatever it is, fear, anxiety, doubt. Sometimes you can be so overwhelmed with grief or pain or sorrow or anger or frustration that it can literally cause you to shut down. Sometimes you can even physically make yourself ill. That is a scientific fact, y'all. It's a fact. And it'll make us feel just like we're in stocks, clamped down and unable to move, just like Paul and Silas were. Y'all, I'm here to tell y'all, God's purpose for us is to use us more greatly for his glory. But the enemy and the flesh seize those prison experiences in our lives and use them as an opportunity to force us into being spiritually inactive. Because think about it. If you're not spiritually active, then you're far more prone to his attacks. Spiritual warfare will get you harder. It'll get you easier, I should say. So when we come up against these prison experiences, we've got to learn to turn directly towards God, not give up on him. People have these moments of crisis and they give up on the Lord. Do the opposite of that. Those are the times you need to run to him and get your wit to use it on. Like we can literally come to a place where our prison experiences cause us to give up on the Lord, man. Just look at the prophet Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19. He had just defeated the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. And prove the truth about Yahweh being the one true God. And yet he was running from his life for his life from King Queen Jezebel. To where in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, he basically prayed that he might die. Oh, just kill me. Kill me instead. Lord, take my life, just kill me. Elijah had allowed a prison experience to cause him to quit on God. But then note how again, in 1 Kings 19, verses 10 to 18. God spoke to Elijah and empowered him to get up and get out and do God's work. He told him to get his outcast on. Get up, get out, and do something. Get out there and do my work. And that experience, my friends, can also be our reality as well. Seek God's voice. Seek his counsel during your prison experiences. and He's going to give you the strength to get through them. So we've seen the pain in our prison experiences. We ran kind of long, but that was important. So coming up on our last segment, we're going to conclude this discussion about a prison of praise by looking at these last two elements that ain't going to take that long, related to Paul and Silas' experiences in that jail that day. And they both have to do with our attitudes towards the prison experiences that life throws at us. Y'all like what you talking about? Well, stay tuned to find out because we're going to get into it after we come back from the break. Hey, everybody, CC Eccles here with the One Life Podcast. Join me every Monday at 7 p.m. as we talk about everything that pertains to life. If you need a little encouragement or a little inspiration, then meet me right here every Monday at 7 p.m. You can listen on Google, Apple, Spotify, Breaker, and iHeartRadio. You'll be so happy you tuned in. Ciao bella Hey, hey, what's good? It's your man, Pastor Rob, inviting you to join us live for our weekly online church services every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. All you gotta do is go to www.benevolentfaithministries.online.church. It'll take you directly to the live worship session. If you get there a bit early before service starts, stay and enjoy the fellowship with us and others through our chat system. You can even participate live and chat with our hosts and others during and throughout the service, as well as take notes, download the sermon notes, and request prayer or even join Benevolent Faith Ministries itself. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Tuesday night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, 4 Pacific, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. Benevolent Faith Ministries, a virtual church with a real heart for God. Hey, hey, welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Listen, y'all, please go download that Wisdom app available in Apple and Android stores everywhere. You know, that's the mobile app that gives you access to expert help when you need it most all the time. Check out our platform, Speak On It, the Believer's Q&A. Ask questions of us directly, and we'll give you answers directly live on the air. Become part of our growing world community in Christ, where everybody's invited to speak on it only on the wisdom app. Amen. But today, my friends, today's show is entitled A Prison of Praise. And we're discussing how Paul and Silas turned a potentially spirit-breaking experience in jail into a praise and worship party and how they glorify God in the process. In our previous segment, we looked pretty extensively at the pain in their prison experience. So next, Let's look at the, pri- uh, the praise in their prison experience. The praise in their pe- prison experience. That's verse 25. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening. And so a lot of people were like, wait a minute, what? How in the world could y'all be praising God under any circumstances like this? Like y'all in the deepest, dankest, darkest part of the prison. Y'all in stocks, locked up. How y'all praise the Lord? Well, y'all, one thing these men teach us is that your attitude in your circumstances determines your latitude in your circumstances. Let me say that again. Your attitude in your circumstances determines your latitude in your circumstances. In other word, in other words, I should say, how you view a situation and the the way you look at it and your attitude towards it determines how far you can go in that situation, whether or not you will be elevated or whether or not you will sink to depths. Because if you got the wrong attitude, you're gonna stay mired in the muck. If you got the right attitude, you can soar to heights and just take note of how to text demonstrates this. The first thing we see is that Paul and Silas committed their situation to the Lord. Instead of pouting and complaining, they prayed. And in the process, they rolled their burden off of their own shoulders and onto the Lord's shoulders. My friends, there's a valuable lesson for us in that. When we're shut up in one of life's prisons, we need to learn to call upon the Lord and commit that prison experience to him. That's not even me telling you that, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, we need to remember to go to prayer first and immediately whenever these prison experiences pop up, because when you resort to prayer, you never have to retreat to worry. Let me say that again. When you resort to prayer, you never have to retreat to worry or anxiety or depression. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, don't get me wrong here. Were Paul and Silas likely in pain? Probably. I bet them stocks hurt. Were they scared? Probably. They're human. Were they uncomfortable and miserable? Probably. Again, they were the dankest, darkest part of the jail in the dungeon. There's probably rats and all type of dirt and human excrement and all type of stuff up in there. So they were probably uncomfortable and miserable. And yet they still did not allow their circumstances to defeat them. Instead, they went to God in prayer and praise. They're in there singing and praising the Lord. And that's the same thing that we need to do when we're locked away in one of life's prison experiences. But y'all, not only did they start praying, again, they're singing as well. As they prayed before the Lord, he began to lift their hearts where soon enough, they were filled with the praise to sing songs to him. So they're praising and then suddenly they're praising to him for what he's doing for them in that situation. That means his presence was with them. And so as his presence came with them and ministered to them, they forgot about where they were and started worshiping. Don't you do that in church? You forget where you are because the presence hits. Presence of the Lord hits you. Prayerfully it does. The spirit of the Lord hits you. You just start worshiping. You forget you at church. You see people go through it all the time. They start crying. They fall out because the presence of the Lord hits them. That's what happened with these men. Friends, one of the surest ways to overcome your prison experience is to learn the secret of praising God in the midst of your pain. I know it ain't easy But it's it's necessary, man. Anybody can praise God when everything's all good in the world. Everything's all good in their life. But it takes a whole lot of faith to praise Him when the bottom falls out from under you when everything's going wrong. In fact, if you really want to gauge the commitment level, how deep you love the... How deep is your love? You want to see how deep your love for the Lord is? See how you react the next time the pressure's on in your life. Because that's when the real you is going to come out, y'all. So take it to him immediately and praise him for making himself available for you to be able to take it to him. That's how you praise your way through your prison experience. Amen? So... We've seen the pain in their prison experience and we've seen the praise in their prison experience. Last one I'm done, y'all. Let's look at the product of their prison experience. The product. In other words, what had happened? As a result of these men demonstrating how great God was, how awesome the power of the Holy Spirit was, what happened afterwards? Because What we see afterwards is that their time in prison was not wasted because the Lord used these events the same way he uses all events in life. He used these events for his own glory and purposes. He does that all the time. We may not understand it, but that's what he's doing. First of all, this event proved their faith. Verse 25 tells us that, quote, the other prisoners were listening. And the Greek word here means to listen intently or to hear attentively. It means they were uh, paying close attention to what they were hearing. So because these prisoners had never heard anything like this before, I'm pretty sure they were all ears. Here you got these two guys who had just been beaten to a bloody pulp and locked in the nastiest place imaginable. And they got their feet in stocks. I probably forced them to sit on the the floor, by the way, in all the human excrement and feet and all that stuff. Ew. But they're sitting there and yet they're still able to praise the Lord. Y'all, that is an amazing challenge to the church. Cause see, the church needs to remember that the world is watching us as we go through the prison experiences of life. And as they watch us they want to see what we're going to say about what really our faith is about. What we believe during crunch time. They want to know if our faith is as real in the valley as it is on the mountain. Is it as real in the bottom times in the when the bottom falls out, as it is at the, the high times, when you on top of the world, saying to God, there's no better testimony to the grace of God than a believer who can shout their praises even when the pressure's on. Even when life is making them go through the fire like Chaka Khan, through the fire, they still singing God's praises. Because when you do that, What you're really saying is my God is real and my problems are not bigger than my God. You're saying my faith is real and my faith is bigger than these issues. You're saying my relationship with God makes a difference in my life such that I don't need to be worried about this stuff. That's what you're saying. Your faith during your prison experience becomes a powerful testimony for the glory of God. But of course, God is a gentleman, He's gonna let you do whatever you want to do. He allows free will. So, of course, you could always do the opposite of and when you moan and groan about your life and you say, Oh, my faith ain't nothing. God is don't never listen to me. I'm lost out here in the world, yada yada yada. But where that gonna get you? Better yet, where has it gotten you? Okay, ultimately, look at the other product of this prison experience, okay? Because we just said that it provided their faith. Now look what else it did, it produced their freedom. Verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Soon as they start praising God, y'all don't miss this. He shook the prison and broke their shackles. As soon as they invited God into their situation through prayer and faith, he worked and moved in a supernatural way and only God could act supernaturally. Period! That's what faith does. They were in a prison, now they're free. Their bonds are gone. The stuff that had kept them chained down was gone. The doors are open. Y'all, that same stuff, that same truth, is still applicable for us, y'all. Praise God and watch the prison that you're in shake. Watch all them shackles break free from your mind and your heart and your spirit. You're gonna feel freedom from whatever issues you're facing. Those shackles won't be able to hold you. The shackles on my feet, uh-uh. We don't think so. Remember having faith during your prison experiences in life, it might change the circumstances, but more often than not, it's going to change you in your circumstances. And really, that's more important. And if we're being honest, that probably brings more glory to God than the other way does. I mean, let's just keep it real. Y'all, we should want to see every follower of Christ walking in victory. That should be A joy for us seeing people burning for the Lord that should be awesome because when they do that when stuff starts happening all around them that they can't control you start seeing them getting calmer and more trustworthy of God that's the peace which surpasses all understanding as things get more chaotic you get more reserved and calm and people don't understand it surpasses all understanding. We need to make every effort to ensure that we're that type of believer, y'all. So here's the question I have for all of y'all. What prison experience are you facing these days? Because whatever it is, depression, anxiety, financial, whatever it is, I don't care. You need to walk in victory in the midst of your prison experience. And it's possible because the first step is to get before God and pour out your heart in prayer and praise. You saw what they did and the supernatural happened. Why wouldn't that happen for you, my friends? Try it. Try me. Try me. Because that is right where he'll meet you and help you experience the type of spiritual jailbreak that you need in order to turn your experience your prison experience into a prison of praise amen but listen thanks y'all for joining us don't forget you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify Anchor, Google Podcasts Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast Overcast on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store on iHeartRadio, on Amazon Music, and on BMC Radio, and BMC Radio On Demand. Also, don't forget, you can find us on the web, benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on now, learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can be a part of the church without ever needing any building. Amen? And don't forget to log on this and every Tuesday night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, 4 Pacific for our online church services. Just go to BenevolentFaithMinistries.Online.Church. Create a screen nickname and chat along with us during the service. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Catch y'all next time. God willing. Holla.